Hello darlings! This is our first Stitch Talks-ish issue episode, my bad, uh, since May or June. Um, if you missed that episode, it was an episode about the way that non-black people, not just white people, this also includes non-black people of color, were utilizing the phrase Black Lives Matter while also being incredibly anti-black in practice and to specific black people like myself. And it's been several months since the start of widespread conversations about police brutality, fatal anti-blackness, systemic oppression, and the universality of anti-blackness. And the important thing to note is that it hasn't gotten any better as I record this right now, there's another, uh, there are two black men who have been shot by police officers. One, uh, I don't know where he's from. I don't think his hashtag is currently trending. Um, but one was shot seven times in front of his children after getting into his car following breaking up a fight. Like, Dude was completely unarmed. He was basically shot for being a good Samaritan and trying to stop shit. And as I write this, as I as I talk to you guys, I'm, I'm very much aware of the fact that we are hurtling towards a time when the United States is not going to be safe at, at any level for any of us, and kind of especially black people. And the same people who um, have plastered Black Lives Matter across their, um, their social media while publicly and privately slandering Black people who will accuse Black people, like myself, of using Black Lives Matter to gain some sort of clout in a world that hates us and does not care about us are currently pretending they care about Black Lives Matter. Black people are very, very fucked up future that is looming or is speeding towards us. And so I suggest if you haven't listened to that episode already, please listen to it and please be better about who you are, what you do in fandom spaces, in your social spaces if you have them. But this episode is supposed to be a lighter episode, so no more talk of that, I guess. Um, during this apocalypse, at this moment, one thing has been very comforting to me, and it is nostalgia. I'm talking about re-watching the first three seasons of Teen Wolf, watching Smallville reading books I read when I was a child, and listening to anime theme songs that when I was a teenage dweeb, I couldn't get enough of. Nostalgia fuels fandom. That's a thing a lot of people don't necessarily think of, but we gravitate to the things that have always moved us and have always shaped us. So in a time of stress, in a time of great trauma, it's easiest to go back and just look at the things that made our lives better when we were like teenagers. 
for me, I've been doing a lot of um, bouncing across different shows on Hulu. Uh, I think the first thing that I've watched that I never watched before, like this was completely new to me, was Haikyuu, the volleyball anime. Um, on Netflix, because um, the first two seasons are there. But prior to that, everything I'd watched was something that I'd been mildly to majorly obsessed with as a teenager. Um, Smallville is the reigning champion for things I've watched very far. Um, because I watched Smallville as a middle schooler, I think. Um, and it's not that it still holds up, because to this day, no one can explain why Lex Luthor's friends were all teenagers and how he ended up with Lana. I know the the show literally does explain that, but it's still icky to me. Um, but Smallville... I guess is my gateway to superhero fandoming. I think I, I'd gotten into some of my favorite writers like Tealand or Tayland and Mayari, who primarily wrote in the DC fandom when I was a teenager because of their Smallville content, um, which always is really interesting to me because like sometimes I'll go back and I'll read their work um, and. Um, I'm still capable of capturing or, or they're still capable of capturing that like childish wonder I had in their work um, before we get to like the not safe for work stuff where it's just like ha 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 probably should have been reading that when I was that age <laughs> um, I tried watching uh, the adventures of Clark Kent and Lois Lane with Dean Cain and Terry Hatcher uh, because I have all of that series on DVD as well because I have all of Smallville on DVD when I got my first job uh, like my first adult job at the high school in 2013 I had a bad week and I bought all of the DVDs like two months into working there <laughs> um but yeah so I, I'm trying to watch that across um across my my nostalgia journey that's a little bit harder because so far, as far as I can tell, the main cast of Smallville seems to be made up of pretty decent people. Um, Tom Welling is both attractive and very nice. Um, two things that I require from actors playing Superman uh, because Christopher Reeve, um, formative, formative. And so whatever Dean Cain is insisting on going through just really doesn't work for me um so that's been the only thing that I've started watching that I had to go mm -mm, this isn't gonna work because um everybody else is still kind of for the live action stuff is still embodying what it means to be the character they're playing you know they're still doing relative good if that's what they were doing um like, Tyler Posey is still the same dude he was when he was playing the titular Teen Wolf. And it's just super so jarring to see Dean Cain just wallow in the muck, essentially. Um, so that, I'm going to have to figure out what I want to do with that DVD set. <laughs> because it is very tough to even try to rewatch. Um, but when it comes to... Um, when it comes to nostalgia, um, it is very interesting rewatching these series um, 
not necessarily with a more critical lens because very often it's while I'm working um, or writing so it's very head empty eyes on the prize so I don't actually have as much time as I would have to like think my way through like some of the choices people make like if you see me having a critical thought while I'm doing nostalgia day it's because it's like a Sunday or a Saturday and I'm not doing day job I'm not doing deadlines I'm just watching tv um but one of the things is that it's so comforting to rewatch stuff I always know how something's gonna end even though my memory is terrible I still know like vaguely how this is gonna end uh which couples get together who dies and comparing it to like the uncertainty of all of this that we're going through it's pretty nice to have a path lined up essentially um i've also i've been watching a lot of older anime uh, i got crunchyroll for for my 16 year old niece because she is fully using uh the timeline we're on to get into anime and that's just really funny to me um that this is how she is uh coping she is watching anime to cope y'all um, it's really funny. And so, because I'm paying for Crunchyroll, I was like, well, I guess I should watch some anime again. Um, and it is really interesting returning to things. So I've been rewatching Cowboy Bebop, which, um, it's one of those anime series, that, like, so I, talking to other people, like, the part of the appeal that maybe I didn't register when I was, like, a an 11 year old watching it when it was on Adult Swim that I do now is that part of the appeal to Western audiences is is the nostalgia because Cowboy Bebop is very much like this homage to to like three different genres of um of film like you have Western the Western influence is really obvious um oh gosh so obvious and if you remember or if you follow me anywhere, I've talked about growing up with my dad watching a lot of westerns. Like, John Wayne was unfortunately a household name in our little house in the Virgin Islands. And, oh, Cowboy Bebop was one of the first, like, moments where I had to, like, unlearn internalized misogyny, which is a whole hilarious thing. Because I remember hating Julia, um... Oh my god, I hated her. I remember, like, the way that dude bros talk about, like, Captain Marvel is how I would talk about Julia when I was, like, a teenager. I just could not stand her. And it took tough love from a friend um, when I was in college and growing up to realize, like, mm, perhaps this, like, unending hatred is abnormal. Um, kind of the same thing happened with uh, Relina Peacecraft on Gundam Wing, which I've also been rewatching, and I've gotten super far with that too. I think I have a third of the series left in my current rewatch because it is on Hulu, and uh, every so often all I do is I get uh, political ads and campaign ads, and I hate those, so I stop watching Hulu for like two weeks. Um, but with... Um, with Gundam Wing, uh, one of the things is that they're all babies. Uh, the Gundam series, that's kind of their thing. The primary characters are young adults, usually no older than 21 or 22, 
who are placed in these situations where they are resistance fighters or soldiers working on either side of a war. And um, I, I've watched most of the series between when I was introduced to them in the late 90s to now. Um, my favorite series are Gundam Wing, of course, uh, G Gundam, um, which is set um, in a distant-ish future Earth. Um, it's hilarious because all the countries have Gundams and they fight to, like, prove which one is better. And they all have really stereotypical Gundams. Like, it's a whole thing. Um, and then Gundam Zero Zero, which is the Gundam series that really definitely, if I could write a mecha anime or mecha inspired series I would say plainly like this is because I was obsessed with this like it's not gonna have anything to do with Gundam Zero Zero but if you'd watch it in my hypothetical world where I wrote a series like this you'd be able to be like yeah that's obvious because I loved the characters and I thought the politics were really interesting even if I didn't necessarily understand or agree with them but yes, back to Gundam Wing. Uh, when I started the series as a, as a tween back in the what, late 90s, early 2000s, um, I immediately, and I guess wrongfully, like really clicked with Oz characters, which Oz are the bad guys. Uh, so Trace Kushranada, Dorothy C Catalonia, I think, um, and Zex Marquise, who is Relina's older brother, um, Miliardo Peacecraft, um, they were kind of like staples for me in, in middle school. Um, and while I liked the Gundam pilots, um, Hiro Yui, Duro Maxwell, Troa, Barton, Katra, Winner, and Wu Fei Chang, I didn't necessarily be like, oh yeah, this is these are who I only care about. I was more invested in the Oz characters because of the visuals, and I hated ah uh, Merlina Peacecraft because at age what nine to thirteen, seeing a female character who is wearing pink, who is this like girly girl, super hopeful, super peaceful like juxtaposed against even my least favorite relatively of the Gundam pilots it was like eh, I don't really care I don't really have time for this and I I wasn't it wasn't as bad as with Julia because I remember at one time with Julia and Cowboy Bebop I was like oh I feel like I I feel like Julia got Spike killed and it was like I went off on this whole tear. I've never had that with Relina. Relina has literally never done anything wrong. Uh, uh, even to majorly internally misogynistic me. Um, but rewatching it, because this is the second or third time I'm rewatching it since 2011, I really like Relina now because she is entirely herself all the time this she's written to be a character who is passionate about her people passionate about her friends and unwilling to bend in the face of crisis and she does this all while being a teenage girl who's just lost her father who has never known her brother and Relina now inspires like oh no baby feelings in me um 
another character who I found myself like coming back to and going and rethinking was Wu Fei Chang, who I guess I kind of like because he is awful. <laughs> He's a little misogynistic uh, piece of crap in in the series, and he's written um, kind of this very stereotypically Chinese character. Um, and I know that there are people who have written about how Chinese characters are portrayed in anime, uh, like in Full Metal Alchemist. So if I can find some of those links, I will uh, bring them up. Um, but yeah, Wu Fei Chang, he grows on you. <laughs> um, I remember there is a scene in the in the anime where Noin, who's working for Oz, is like he gets out of his Gundam or something and she's like oh, that's a baby and like every time I think about it I lose it because that's the reaction I tend to have to Rufei as well it's like he's a baby sure he's piloting tons of metal and has killed lots of people actually I think this was just before like um he, or either just before or after Rufei wiped out a base of trainees which is messed up even in the context of war um, <laughs> but I, I really, um, it's been really good having, having this backlog of stuff to watch. Um, and I started, I have HBO, um, Max, which is very useful for wallowing in the nostalgia that fandom inspires, um, or that fandom is fueled by because they have the Turner Classic movies, you have DC, they have, those, they have the Superman movies on HBO Max, and you could sit there and watch decades of old content, including a really large amount of the Looney Tunes back catalog, which is what I was doing Sunday and tweeting about because those are really interesting cartoons to rewatch in 2020. Um, I purposefully chose not to rewatch any of the ones I knew were racist from when they used to air on Cartoon Network for some reason. Um, but I did watch some of the ones like I knew they were misogynistic or like the violence was like next level over the top. And in a weird way, it was like coming home. And you know, you can see why people continue to be attached to these aspects of. of their childhood even if it's like second or third hand like I got into a lot of the stuff that I'm into now like the old-timey tv shows and cartoons uh because of my parents because they are old <laughs> and so their their interests became my interest because they would watch this stuff on the couch and like I was like five what am I going to do change the channel and it went from something that I just watched because my parents were watching to something I cared about. And my dad's interest in superheroes. Um, when I was a small child, he would pick me up from school because my mom worked at a high school uh, on the other side of the island. So he'd pick me up and we'd watch, um, we would watch the 1960s Batman uh, show. We would watch that on I guess what is now the sci-fi channel if I remember correctly um <laughs> we would watch the hell out of it 
and that sparked a flame that led to me being a pretty prolific writer in the DC fandom for three years. Like, I wrote almost a million words of content for that fandom, including my longest story ever that I never finished, so no one will ever know how, uh, how that ends. <laughs> no one. But it is really important to me that, that I have these memories, and right now things are tough worldwide but like especially for me just kidding it's hard for all of us um but yes things are difficult it's hard to to start new things because um what do you do when the new thing has a bad ending like i've been when i when i go to watch dramas on viki or um or Netflix, it's stuff I've already watched. It's Romance as a Bonus Book on Netflix. It's uh, Strong... Is it uh, Weightlifting Fairy, Kim Bok Ju, What's Wrong with Secretary Kim? Things that cannot surprise me. I have watched Love O2O from start to finish about six times in this across this apocalypse alone. Because I know that... Weiwei and um, I just want to call him Lord Nye because uh, that's his in-game character. I just know that they will meet each other through this game. They will fall in love through this game and live happily ever after. There, there are no surprises. And maybe if things ever calm down or if I and my family are in a better position, I'll be like, oh, okay, I can watch something new. But even reading new things is hard, which is terrible because I have books to review. Ugh. But maybe in the future I'll be able to read new content and I'll be able to be surprised again. Um, Courtney Milan has her first new novel out in a year or two. And I'm going to buy it. Lord knows when I'll read it. But I'm going to buy it. Because I need that sunshine on my Kindle, even if it's not directly in my eyeballs. <laughs> um, and I guess, what are you guys listening to? What are you guys watching? Um... What's been your nostalgia factor? What's been your comfort rewatch or reread across all of this? Maybe I'll start that, whatever that is that you guys are watching. Who knows? Uh, up next, uh, our next episode is going to be another bonus one uh, because I promised a BTS um, kind of mini review covering their original uh, tracks on the their newest Japanese release which is Map of the Soul 7 The Journey um, and they just had their latest single in English Dynamite which is actually their first single in English um, which is breaking a lot of records and I'll talk about that in the video and how it feels to get into disco again again um at the grand age of almost 30 um so if you like my review episodes and you really like bts stick around for that it'll be out in a week or so after uh, some of the hype from the releases died down and i'm not taking airplay away from other people with 
stronger thoughts on it or from the group themselves. Um, but yes, I'm excited um, for all of this. Um, I don't know if anybody's been rating my podcast, but if you have, please give it good ratings wherever you can give podcasts good ratings. All right. Stay safe. Stay inside. Bye.